Uh, it's a tough one, okay? The one I chose today. Well done, Hillary. Uh, it's a difficult one. Because actually, we do want to be a people that are good citizens, right? We want, we want to be, we want to pay our taxes. Who wants to pay their taxes? Yeah, I mean, we want, we want it. Nobody wants to pay their taxes. Uh, but we like the idea of paying taxes. We like the idea of obeying laws. We like the idea of being loyal to our government. The question is, is, is Paul talking about this when he writes this bit in the letter to the Romans? And I think actually, actually maybe, it might be more complicated. Now, um, being a good schoolboy in America, I was taught a lot about American history, and part of that was understanding the Christian influence in American government. Don't laugh. <clears throat> the Christian influence in American government, which was, which was important at different periods. And, you know, we have things in our country like um, reformed prisons. We have things like benefits for the poor. We have um, programs to feed the hungry. We have uh, public appointed prosecutors and defenders uh, because Christian politicians came along and said, we need these things to protect those who are vulnerable. Now, does it all work perfectly all the time? No, no. But there was that influence. Now. Do I think that Paul is talking about this specifically? I don't actually think that he is. And here's the, here's the trick. If you go to the passage before this bit in Romans 13 and the passage after this bit in Romans 13, and this is a great way to read the Bible anyway, is to see what Paul says before that point and right after that. What does he say? He says, love must be sincere. Bless those who persecute you and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. Live at peace. Don't take revenge. But leave room for the Lord. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So what's Paul doing here? This is a little bit different than what we've read about being loyal to the government. I think the reality is, is that Paul knew that his letter was being read by the authorities. Now Paul is a good missionary. And he says, I want this message to come to my Christian communities. He'd never, he'd never been to Rome before. But he said, I want this letter to get to the Christian community. And I want them to read it in a way that doesn't put them in danger. So I want them to be protected under the Roman Empire while at the same time living this Christian life. So actually, he doesn't envision that the hearers of this letter are going to go into politics or are going to be military commanders or are going to have positions of power in the Roman Empire. But he does expect them to be good citizens in a way 
because he knows something about power. He knows something about how power works. That oftentimes, as Christians, when we take up the sword like this, it makes it very difficult for God's justice to happen in the world. Whereas when we take up the sword like this, and we say, God, you are my liege, you are my master, regardless of what peril I may come in in my life, regardless of how unpopular I may be, I'm going to lay down all power. I'm going to lay down all earthly power. And I'm going to say, God, you're Lord. You know, we often joke about this thing that Christians are praying for parking spaces. You know, we often joke about it. The reality is, is I have a very good friend, Ray, back in Torquay. I've got some friends from Torquay here today. Where I came from. There they are. There's Bridget. And Nathan's around here somewhere and their lovely children. There they are. These guys have taught me loads about ministry. So if I say anything wrong today, just have a chat with them. Just kidding. Just kidding. And my friend Ray, Bridget will know Ray. Nathan will know Ray. Prays for parking spaces. Whenever he goes out, he prays for parking spaces. And he means it when he prays for parking spaces. And guys, a lot of the time, his prayers are answered. But the situation is this. Ray is severely disabled. And Ray is often buying food for other people. And Ray is looking after people who live in his house, who he has there rent-free. So when Ray prays for a parking space, God knows it's actually quite a big deal, I think. Because Ray's heart is in the right place. I tend to think if you pray for a parking space like this, we've all been there. <laughs> I'm not sure that God hears that prayer in the same way when we pray for a parking space like this. This is challenging, guys. This is challenging. Because we would all love Paul to say, we're Christians, my followers are Christians, you are right, you are justified in everything that you do, you can tell other people off, you can show them that what they're doing is wrong, and you can, you can tell the people in government that what they're doing is wrong. And he doesn't say that, and that's hard. How do you live a life like that? I think a lot about the man who was called Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Who's heard of him? I like to say his full title because he was a reverend before he was a doctor, and that's important. But you know, in the American South in the 1960s, where I had a lot of segregation problems, there are a lot of race issues. And segregation was still legal in the U.S., which meant that black children and white children could go to separate schools. And white people were very much in favor of this a lot of the time because they worried about black children coming to their schools and somehow corrupting their children. And it was difficult 
for Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. because he worked with a lot of white ministers in the South. Lots of white ministers who said, King, we totally understand what you're doing. We totally understand the motivation. You're justified to have peace rallies. You're justified to march. You're justified to boycott the buses that make black people sit in the back. But you're going too fast. You need to slow down. You need to learn how to get along first. And change will come in time. The church will change in time. Government will change in time. And King thought long and hard about it. And he knew because of what Paul said in Romans that he was in a predicament. Because he couldn't stand up to the government and say, you need to change us and you're going to change us and we're going to build an army and until you do. He knew that was not the right way. He knew that everything that they believed in had to be supported by a peaceful process where he and his followers were seen to be weaker than the authorities. And giving over that authority, even in some cases, the authority over their own lives to the policemen, the sheriffs, the National Guard, who had power over them. King made this a way of life, living this reality. Because at the one time, he was loyal to his government. At the same time, he was deeply unsettled. And he never used his power. He was a famous man internationally. He never used his power to advocate violence. He never used his power to say the U.S. government is not justified. We need to overturn. He never once did that. But he used his power to do this. To get down on his knees and to say, I'm deeply unhappy about the injustice in the world. I'm deeply unhappy. But this is where I need to be. Because this is where I pray. And King did this in countless places across the American South. And at that time, churches were being burned left, right, and center. Black churches in cities and towns across the southern United States being burned by white people. In some cases, Christians. In some cases, far-right groups. And King would go while the ashes were still smoldering. He would go and he would stand there. And he didn't incite violence. He didn't organize a militia. He stood there and he prayed out loud. Lord Jesus, help us. And that image of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was captured and it 
sped like wildfire around the world. That image of him praying, hands up, praying to his God, whom he knew to be a just God, saying, my power, I divest, I give it to you, Lord. When Paul wrote this letter, he knew that the Jews had been disappointed by a Messiah who showed up without an army because all the prophets said the Messiah will come and free Israel from the authorities, will free Israel from Rome, from the Roman Empire, and it didn't happen. And when Paul wrote this letter, he knew that Gentiles were being persecuted. Roman citizens were being persecuted for following this Jesus of Nazareth. And he knew that Romans, the Roman army was so vast and so powerful, it could show up within 24 hours of any part of the empire. A division would set off overnight running and they would run 10, 15, 20 miles to a town or village. And just the presence of a Roman division would strike fear into the hearts of anyone in the empire because their purpose was to incite fear. Paul knew all this when he told his followers, be loyal. Jesus asks a lot of us too. He asks sometimes much more than we would ever willing to give. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. I have come to bring fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled, but I have a baptism to undergo, Jesus says. Do you think I come to bring peace on earth? No. I bring division. Later, Jesus talks about the price, the cost of discipleship. He talks about the things that we must give up in order to follow him. He talks about the life that we must live, which is not easy, in order to glorify him. Sometimes we get it right as democracies. I can say that as an American. And sometimes we get it wrong too. But the point still stands. Jesus sometimes brings the sword. And it's a sword that makes a claim for a throne. It's a sword that forces us to choose a side in our own lives. Which side 
will we be on? I'm here to tell you now there are a million and one things that will try and claim authority in your life. Some look like very good things. Jobs or charity work or organizations that do good things. Some will be even harder to resist. Money, addiction. And I think we've become quite good at declaring whose authority we're under on a Sunday. It's easier when we're in the family, isn't it? But I think it remains a struggle to declare whose authority we're under on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday or a Friday or a Saturday. And please don't mishear me. This is not about a petition to serve the church. That's not what this is about. This is a position of where is my life orientated in relationship to this sword? Am I going to live my life like this? Or am I going to live my life like this? Because this is a total allegiance. This is total. It's everything. It's all of us. It's our minds, our bodies, our spirits, our finances, our friends, our family. The hard truth is this. Jesus asks. He doesn't demand, but he asks. Total allegiance. Now the fruit of that, so many of you know, the fruit of that is a redeemed life. It's a life redeemed. What do I mean? It's a, it's a life that comes out the other side. It's beautiful. It's got purpose. There's a reason for living. And it's filled with joy. The way of the cross is a difficult way. And Jesus doesn't demand it, but he asks you, are you ready, are you willing to live this life? Because it will require everything of you. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. It requires everything of us from Monday to Saturday, and Sunday included. Well, the thing is, you're up for it. You're up for it. And if you're not sure, have a chat with somebody here who's got a smile on their face. Ask them what it's like living this life. You're part of this family. That's for one.
just want to take a moment and invite the Holy Spirit in to this space because I know this is challenging. So Holy Spirit, come. I'd ask that you speak to us in this time. Whatever it is that's been highlighted in our hearts, whatever it is that is shifting under your power, Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you would do that work in us. That it's not just about being convicted, it's about being reborn into new life in you. Holy Spirit, come.